your Bible Speaks Church family. It is an amazing day. Today is like no other because you've chosen to listen to something so encouraging and I cannot wait for you to hear it. Today's message is phenomenal. I may be biased, but can I tell you, you can engage and let us know how you felt about today's message by using the comment section of this episode. We want to hear from you and it is my prayer. But by the time we reconnect at the end of this message, that your life will be on fire, that you will be excited to do what God has called you to do. I'll see you at the end of the episode. Church family, um, there are a lot of things going on. One of my guilty pleasures is TikTok. It's a guilty pleasure. And one of the things I like about TikTok is that the videos are short and I can consume a lot of funny, enjoyable, informative content. But this week, every single thing on my TikTok feed was consumed by one subject. Every social media post, every news headline, every single thing focused on one thing. Was not the war in Ukraine, not gas prices, not the soon coming of Jesus, but an event that occurred at the Oscars. In case you somehow survived this week without hearing about it, Will Smith won Best Actor. Not for his role in Ali, but he showed the Oscar community that he may have, may have deserved one for that performance because he hit Chris Rock for a wrong joke. But today, church family, I'm not here to litigate the justness of Chris Rock's comments or the accuracy or fairness of the retaliatory nature of what Will Smith did to Chris Rock. But I see some things that draw us to the text. So today's sermonic discourse, today's sermon presentation is entitled, Don't Hit the Rock. Don't Hit the Rock. Don't Hit the Rock. Let's pray. Lord, as we examine society's experiences, we ask that we see your word. As we examine events of the culture and the world, help us to see you and direct us back to your word. We ask these things not because we deserve them, but because you are God who cares. 
So today, Lord, I ask that you hide me behind the cross, that you would purify all of the research and thought gone into this message, that it would be broken down to just dust, that your word would be preached to the people today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Don't hit the rock. For those who may still be confused at the Oscars, Will Smith and his beautiful wife Jada were sitting as the award for the something about a documentary. But short-lived as Brother Quest wins his Oscar, shortly thereafter, more jokes and memes and TikTok start to pump out and analyze the effects of Will Smith storming the stage in anger and slapping Chris Rock. Chris Rock, a comedian, Will Smith, a actor of a hit TV show that all of us remember. We understand that Will Smith got in one little fight and his mom got scared and he had to move to Bel Air. Little did we know that years after his acclaim, he would then assault a comedian for a joke that was wrong. Rather than discussing the joke with his fellow actor, fellow talk show guy, fellow celebrity, he puts caution to the wind in order to appease some experts or those who would like to call themselves experts would say, appease his wife. But the bigger problem is, rather than using words, he uses physical action. Will Smith strikes Chris Rock. A rock was struck last Sunday. But over 2,000 years ago, another well-spoken man, a leader of a community, well-respected, is faced with great challenge and decides to strike a rock. It seems as if rocks have a long history of being struck. When we look at the book of Numbers, chapter 20, we see that the children of Israel, God's children, who he brought out of Egypt, are thirsty and are in desperate need of water. But before we get to the portion of the scripture of Moses, we must first understand what has happened. Moses and Israel are wandering for 40 years. They've experienced Two major water crises. The first one was when they crossed the Red Sea at God's delivering hand. And then, three days later, they were out of water. They were out of water in their flask and jugs and everything they prepared for their journey. And then... God gives them water. God gives them water. But before 
they could take part in the water, what happens? The water is what? Bitter. Then God provides deliverance and now they're able to take part in the tasty, cool gift of God. But after that, they encounter another water crisis. They needed a sustainable source of liquid that gives them the ability to journey. And for their 40-year excursion, God gives them what is called in their community Miriam's well. Moses' sister. Miriam's well. And God instructs Moses to strike the rock and then water comes forth. Miriam's well. Miriam's well is producing water for years. Miriam's well is pumping water into the community, allowing them to be able to journey for years. Miriam's well. And now, water crisis three strikes God's people. But we got to remember the context. At the beginning of Numbers chapter 20, we see that Israel and the whole congregation was in the wilderness near where? Zen. And for one month, the people stayed near Kish. And now here's the interesting situation. We think this is almost out of place when you read it. And Miriam died and were buried there. Miriam is dead. Church family, where is Miriam? Dead. Miriam is gone. Moses' sister is gone. Let's take a look a little bit more about Miriam. See, the problem is this. Moses is no stranger to water. Moses' name has ties to water. But Miriam has something not tied to her name that we'll get to right now, but what we want to look at, Miriam has a special role in, Mar- in Moses' life. Moses was pulled from the water, but Miriam watched him set on his voyage. Miriam watched as her little brother is floating down to Pharaoh's daughter. And as other boys are being slaughtered by the leadership of Egypt... The challenge is this baby boy must stay alive. And she doesn't know how it will happen, but she knows God can take care of it. She has that type of faith. Then she pops up and sees and makes a recommendation to reunite Moses to his family at the kindness of Pharaoh's daughter. Miriam had faith. But see, Moses' water journey doesn't stop there without Miriam being close by. When when Miriam experiences the Israelite children being slaughtered, she also is now aware that as one boy was sent on the stream and had to cross and make a journey, this same boy and his people now have to cross a body of water 
And now many Egyptians are chasing. Many Egyptians are chasing Israel as they leave Egypt. And now they are faced with the Red Sea. And God instructs Moses to stretch out his hand. And then the water does what? It splits. The water splits and now Moses and the people walk on dry land. But Miriam, like she has said before, I don't know how, but God will do it. Because what Moses says is what Miriam says earlier in his life journey. Watch what God will do. But see, the beauty of this text, we have to remember that these writings, these Jewish writings are written in a poetic way. And when we strip them of their poetic nature, we miss this beauty. The role of Miriam. Miriam is standing now with Moses as they cross. And she begins to sing a song of praise to God. So Moses and Miriam have gone through a waterlogged journey, and now Miriam is dead. And there is now no water, we see in verse 2. Now there was no water for the congregation, and the assembly uh, began to argue against Moses and Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said to him, would we perish before the Lord? Church family, the challenge is with these grumbling people. They wanted things of leisure and of comfort. They complained that there were no figs, that there was no great abundance of water, but they could not necessarily enjoy these other things without their water, and water was running dry. The congregation grumbled and wondered why they had left Egypt in the first place. And Moses, again, and will alongside his brother Aaron, go to the tent of meeting and fall on their faces, the text says, before the Lord. And the God of heaven shows up and says to Moses, take the staff and assemble the congregation you and your brother, and tell, watch this, and what? Tell the rock. Tell the rock. Tell the rock before you to yield its water. Church family, when I watched Chris Rock get slapped, I thought to myself, well, these are, these are black leaders. These are, these are these men who have such great respect in our community. Why are they not just talking it out? Why don't they just talk to each other, speak to each other? See, church family, when we get so caught up in our emotions, we make crazy decisions. See, Moses had just been complained against. He had just lost his sister, and his faith has been challenged. Church family, like, Pastor, what do you mean? You're just reading about how they grumbled against him. His faith was challenged? What do you mean? 
it requires us to do a little bit more examination about Moses' experience. When Miriam, when we understand Miriam's name in the Hebrew letters that make it up, we realize that there is something amazing about her name. Miriam's name in the Hebrew letters, if you move the vowel placement, you make the adjustments, because if you know there are characters, and then there are like little dots and lines that make the vowel sounds in Hebrew. And so when you adjust those placements, Miriam's letters, the primary letters in her name can make up the word bitter. The letters in Miriam's name make up the word lift up. And also the words can be found, the letters can be used to be made the word rebel. Let us think about those three words. Bitter, the first water crisis. Lift up, the second one where he had to lift up his staff and hit the rock. And last, Moses now uses Miriam's name the letters of her name when he encounters the rock. Because what does Moses say to the people? We see it in verse, chapter, verse 10. We see that he says, listen here, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses uses the word rebel. But because of our understanding of the letters, if we don't know Miriam's name and we don't understand the context and the biblical poetry, Moses is saying in front of Miriam's, well, you rebels or you people, Miriam is dead. What am I to do? She's been here. Every single time, water needed to come. But yet Moses goes and obeys God's command in verse 9. But just because you obey God's command does not mean your faith is shaken. Because the truth is, when you're a spiritual leader, your faith and your role sometimes are not on equal footing. Your heart can be broken from loss and trauma. But you still got to obey the calling on your life. Moses is dealing with this balance of leadership. And is finding himself not strong enough to manage. The water has run out. And every single time water seems scarce, Miriam is there. Miriam, when the water is bitter. Miriam, when I got to lift my hand and hit a rock. But this moment, God's telling me, maybe, just maybe, speak to the rock and things will be better. But why would God tell Moses to take the staff if he didn't want him to hit it? Seems crazy. Seems counterproductive. You want me to speak, but yet you said bring the staff. The truth is, the staff is a tool that reminds. The staff is a tool that reminds that he is shepherding God's people, but better yet, that I've done it before, and I will have you carry the tools, but I want you to do it differently. 
Moses could have easily spoken to the rock and in the midst of his heartbreak and grief of losing his sister, in the midst of his hurt, he would have spoken and water would have flown. He would have spoken to Miriam's well and life would have been given to the people. But here's the problem. Moses and his grief, he was so caught up in the loss of his sister, he negated God's instruction and directive because his faith was short of the extent that God required of him because he was grieving. And so Moses, rather than invoking the Lord's name, uses a phrase that ties closer to his sister and says, you rebels, shall we bring water out of the rock? Shall we bring water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hands like he's done numerous times before and struck the rock with his staff. Moses, a leader. Moses, a shepherd of God's flock. Moses, a prince. Moses, a brother. Moses, the smallest boat captain. Moses, Miriam's little brother. In the midst of his great grief, he disobeys God because his faith was shattered. His faith was shattered because he had forgotten who provided the miracle. It was not Miriam's piety. It was not Miriam's niceness that delivered Israel. It was not Miriam because of her goodness. But the problem is Moses had forgotten. And how many times can we be found guilty of this similar crime that because of our relationship, we think God moves and not because of who God is to us. You lose a loved one and you're heartbroken all of a sudden and your faith causes you to make a moral compromise and then you're heartbroken all the more. Perhaps hard times come and you got to make a hard decision and you take it under your own directive because of the hurt, shame, and pain of what you've potentially lost a career, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a partner, whatever you've lost because of your grief, because of your shame, because of your experience, like Moses, you choose not to speak in faith, but you strike it in frustration. The truth is, when I look at what happened at the Oscars, Within context of Will Smith's life experience, you start to realize he's not striking Chris Rock. Will Smith feels, this is what his book says, if you look very early in his book, he talks about feeling like a coward. 
because he could not defend his mother from the abuse of her father, of his father. And because he could not defend his mother, that is his greatest act of shame. And now he has this woman in his life that now he feels obligated to protect. But rather than speaking to the rock, he strikes it and now he risks losing the very thing his career was working for. Church family, see, there's some parallels at what happened at the Oscars. See, the movie world only tries to take pieces of what God's best story ever told has and tries to retell it. And the truth is, church family, when we look at this experience at the Oscars, there is a biblical lesson to be learned. Don't strike something when you can easily speak to it. The problem with what we see at the Oscars is that Will Smith didn't get an Oscar for Ali. He didn't get it for iRobot. He didn't get it for all the other great movies like Concussion. But the truth is, Moses didn't get to enter the promised land when they Crossed the Red Sea. He didn't enter the promised land when he entered the palace. He didn't enter the promised land when God moved the mountains and challenges and invited him to go up to the mountaintop. See, Moses had to be faithful and wait. And all he had to do to speak to it, to make it right, to bring it fairness back to the point that Moses was trying to convey Moses was feeling hurt. Moses was hurt because he lost someone dear. His faith was shattered. His faith in God was wounded. Will Smith, on the other hand, his ego was wounded. His thought processes were hurt because in that moment, that poor joke and the scowl from his wife reminded him of his internal failures. The problem is, when we let our failures and our hurt dictate our experience, we storm things, we strike things, we hit things that we are meaning to just simply speak to. <clears throat> it's hard. It's hard to stand when your ego is challenged. It's hard to stand when your feelings are hurt. It's hard to say, I will do what my character requires because of not who I am, but who I belong to. <coughs> Moses strikes this rock because he's hurt. And he wants to go back to better days. He wants to go back to the time where he could take his staff, hit the rock, and Miriam was right there. He wants to go back to a time where he lifts his hands and leads people. But when it came to their grumbling, he was saved not by necessarily God, but God's ministry through Miriam. Miriam was a living 
manifestation of encouragement for Moses. But now, as Miriam is dead and the people start to grumble, big brother can't help little brother the way big sis used to help. No one's able to console Moses in that moment. Although he sees the face of God, Moses is so distraught that he rebels against God's command with everything he needed to be reminded of what God had done. It was a staff that was laying down in front of Pharaoh and consumed the snakes. It was the staff that was lifted up at God's behest to lead his people through the water highway. It was that staff that was there to remind Moses that just because the water is bitter, you can find something that you can throw in there and make it sweet. It was that staff that was there. But even if the staff was gone... Moses had forgot it was not Miriam nor a stick. It was God there all along. But we can't be too hard on Moses. We can't be too hard on Will Smith. We can't be too hard on each other because we're guilty of the same thing. We'd rather have figs, grain, the comforts of life, pomegranates. But God is trying to lead us. See, Israel had wandered for 40 years. It was almost over. The time frame was to the close. If Moses just would have done one simple thing, easy street was Moses' destination. But the problem is he was more focused on his grief so church family, let me give you some easy things to remember. Don't strike a rock when it's easier just to speak to it. Two, make sure you don't forsake God's goodness because of your trauma, sadness, and grief. And the last thing I want to take, let you to take home, and I will, oh man, I want to take my seat after this point. It is time for us to acknowledge your water comes from no one but God. The problem is we have a lot of thirsty people on the earth. The problem is that the water that God gives us is something that is divine in nature. See, Miriam's well was dried up after 40 years of service. But God just wanted to say, hey, I can make water come from dry things. And the problem is sometimes we forget where our water comes from. If we keep thinking that our alkaline water comes from Walmart, we're going to keep being disappointed. If we think that our living water comes from Kohl's or Costco or wherever you like to buy your beverages, the truth is, church family, if we remember that the living water only comes from the God of heaven, that stream that runs never dry, the problem is if we keep forgetting, we'll hit things that we were supposed to speak to. Church family. Everybody's talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock. <coughs> but the truth is, God has given us an invitation to look past the 94th Academy Awards, to look past Hollywood and its media interpretations of life's experiences, to look at an encounter where another person who served at the will of God struck a rock, commanded to bring water forward. But the problem is, it's better to talk than it is to strike. Amen? So as I get ready to take my seat today, I want you to remember, 
that Christ invites us to speak to things. Speak into broken lives. Speak into broken hearts. Speak into broken communities and homes. But church family, I'm not going to leave you just talking about Moses, Miriam, Will Smith, and Chris Rock. I'm going to take it to Jesus. Can we take it to Jesus? The beauty is about this story is that if Moses was left to go into the promised land per, uh, per his desire, we would have seen a... Uh, mutation and abuse of God's character and identity that we may have missed if we don't pay attention to it. We know that in Deuteronomy we see the account of Moses not being allowed in to the promised land because of this rock encounter. The truth is when Moses struck the rock, if he was allowed in, God's character would have been challenged because God instructed Moses to do one thing, he was disobedient and striking. And we have to remember that biblical poetry is a long arching theme. So the rock did not just represent Miriam. The rock did not just represent a source of water. The rock represented the rock of ages that was struck down for our sins once. So if Moses would have been allowed to continue the journey and continued in, there would have been no consequence for striking down the Rock of Ages twice. And see, that would have thrown confusion into the reader's world. The truth is, God's not going to let confusion reign. And so, God allows Moses to enter into death, rather the promised land. But God is faithful. He's not going to let one, two, Three, four, five mistakes prevent you from being with him. He will forgive you. And so there's hope for Moses in his story. Because the hope of Moses is extended to you and me today. That no matter how many times we mess up. That God is willing to let us enter into death once. And be resurrected and enter into heaven with him. So <clears throat> do not be discouraged. When trouble comes, do not be discouraged when someone speaks illy about you. Don't be discouraged or greatly bothered by the words of man or words not given or the accolades of a community. Do not be discouraged when things get hard because you don't need an Oscar, an Emmy, a church appreciation trophy, a title, a position to know that no matter what you do, if you serve God and have faith that is restored after time, after time, after time, you will encounter the good news that Jesus is coming again and will resurrect you from this dry and dirty land called earth. Moses. Moses. <coughs> oh, Moses. What hurt to lose your sister? What hurt to lose your loved one? What hurt to watch an entire generation be destroyed because of their wickedness? Moses, what trauma you must have experienced to watch your sister, your loved ones and friends die day in and day out. Moses, what hardship for 40 years wandering with a bunch of stiff neck annoying people but God is inviting and allows this story to be in the Bible to remind us, those who are leaders at home, work, or church, 
that even though you may have a grumbling group of people, never lose focus of who God is because you got to remember when you get bothered by somebody, how many more times have you bothered God? See, Moses and the children of Israelite story is there to remind us that when you see the story, you're like, man, why is God so harsh? It is to remind us that we are both in times like Moses, like the children of Israel, but yet God is still faithful to forgive us. And if we trust in the promise of Jesus Christ, the, the better Moses, the better Adam, that Jesus, son of David, will come down on a cloud and resurrect us. Satan may want to try to fight over our bodies, but he won't get credit for it. He won't get them because he did not pay the cost for them. Church family, I'll close by saying this. When you're faced with a challenge, when you're faced with a hardship, when you're faced with a struggle, speak to the mountain and it will move. Speak to that loved one who is getting on your nerves. Speak to that boss who doesn't understand why you need Sabbath off. See, speak to that person that just won't do right and you want to encourage them. But more importantly than that, have faith that God will do what he promised. Verse 1 shows us the context for Moses' grief. The blurring of Moses' vision. Pericope, the pericope from verse 2 to verse 9 shows us the frustration of Moses and his response to go to God. The next pericope from verse 10 all the way to 13 shows Moses' response and behavior when grief, faith, experience, fear and the remembering and hoping for a better day can cause us to lose focus on our assignment. How many of us need to be reminded of our assignment today? Perhaps you've lost focus. You've started hitting things that you were supposed to speak to. You started striking things that you should have just said move and it would have moved. You've been banging your head up against a situation that God told you just speak and I will take care of it. Maybe because you lost a loved one, your faith has been challenged. What good God would take that person from me? Now the same person who used to counsel me and say a prayer for me in hardship is now gone and so now I'll just strike that thing versus having the faith that I have the tools and I have the God who can lead us through it. See, maybe, just maybe, we're a lot like more like Moses. That God wants us to speak, but our hurt has caused us to start hitting it. It is in His strength things happen. In my weakness... There's nothing. But in my weakness, he can change things to, be made us to make us more strong. 
Church family, his strength is what we can use to overcome hardship, overcome grief. And I think sometimes, and I'll close by saying this, sometimes we forget that God grieves our losses too. A loved one that has fallen asleep. Sometimes we act as if we corner the market on grief. When God is grieving that loss too, that he, wasn't, he never intended for you or you or your loved one to go through death. God is bothered by death too. The stench of death bothers God as well. So let's not start hitting things we're to speak to. Let us not forget where our water comes from. And let us make sure that we trust the one true God. Stand on your feet as we close today. If you're able, stand on your feet as we ask the Lord, our God, to be with us. I don't know about you, this week I've been challenged to not strike the things that I would normally strike. Things that would normally frustrate me and make me want to run up and strike something. i got to take a second back and speak to it. I don't know if you've, if you've been blessed today. Can you just turn to your God in heaven and close your eyes in prayer? Father God, we thank you that you allow us to analyze culture to be able to have a deeper understanding of your word. To dive a little deeper in understanding that sometimes when trauma meets ego, fear, and worry, it can break our faith. But God, we are not to forget where our water comes from. So God, I pray that today we act more like Moses, we act more like you and we act like Moses in the first two water crises. With the faith to raise our hands, to the faith to counter bitter water and by your grace turn it to sweet tasting water. To turn a raging sea into a highway God, we ask that you would allow us to not lose focus in our hurt and in our grief, but to keep our eyes steadfast on you. God, we thank you for the fact that we have this example in the text. So God, we thank you for your comfort, your presence, and your grace. So God, when we go our separate ways today, we ask that you would be lifted up, that we would not receive any glory, but you would be glorified. That God... That every person who is thirsty can come to the well and drink. We ask all these things not because we deserve a single thing, but because you are a God who cares. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we do pray. And all those that believe said amen. 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 Church family, what a mighty God we serve. The angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Were you not encouraged today? I am so glad that you made it to the end of the episode. This is a part for you to participate. You listened, you've engaged, you've seeped in all the information. Now it's time for you to engage. Go to the comment section and the description box and interact with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the comment section, but also engage with the digital decision card. If you've made a decision that you want to live a better life, more pleasing to God, this is your chance to just let your Bible Speaks family know that you 
are doing something different because of what you've heard and the ministry here at Your Bible Speaks. It is my honor and privilege to know that God is changing your life through the word of God you're hearing here. And it's my prayer that you'll continue to live a life that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. So until next week, God bless you, God keep you, and may his face shine upon you and bring you peace. God bless.